You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 122 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, as always. Joining me for the first time in uh, way too long, former co-host of the program, one of the best people in the world, Carlos Colazzo. What's up, man? How's it going, Brad? Happy to be back, man. Thanks for having me back on. It's my pleasure. Uh, We've been trying to do this for a while. Um, I should say, if there are any audio issues, it's on my end because... (laughs) I'm in the middle of nowhere, Texas, on an annual journey. In fact, we recorded, I think, two years ago from this exact spot that I'm currently in when you yeah. and I were doing this all, all, all the time together. But uh, yeah, it should be should be fun. Hopefully this thing hangs out and the connection works for everybody. But it's nice to have you here, man. Yeah, it's, it's great to be back. I feel like uh, you're always on the run doing something. So we've recorded a number of interesting scenarios and it always seems to, to get done somehow. So we appreciate you going the extra mile, as always, Brad. Uh, yeah, I, I, I balked on doing a podcast from Vegas this year, uh, so I missed a week, and uh, you know, last week wasn't so much fun. I mean, the Braves aren't playing that well at the moment, I guess. I mean, at, at the mm-hmm. moment, it's kind of relative, because they won their last game coming out of the break, uh, sort of going into the break, and they won their first game coming out of the break, uh, then they lost today. So it's like one of those things where I feel like the, the podcast tenor is um, always probably overly um, linked to how they play on Sundays, which is always mm-hmm. fun. Um, but, I mean, they haven't played a lot since the last podcast. We could talk a little bit about what happened over the weekend. There was a rain out in between. Now, Friday was a lot of fun, though, because uh, coming out of the gates, it was uh, the Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albee show at the top of the lineup. Them actually being in the top, at the top of the lineup was something that I enjoyed, and then it, it mm-hmm. kind of worked out perfectly because they both were running and doing crazy stuff, and then, of course, Ozzy got hurt. But, I mean, where are you at with the Braves right now in general? I know we haven't talked about the Braves a ton, uh, you and I, because, you, mm-hmm. of course, you're a big national guy now, so we have to I have to <laughs> pick my spots. But, I mean, how are you feeling about the Braves in general right now? I guess it's a good place to start. Yeah, well, I, I haven't been able to watch them as much as you have, obviously, and I'm just kind of coming off the uh, the busiest part of my schedule. But things are... Opening up a little bit, I'm looking forward to watching them more as the season kind of progresses. Um, from my perspective, it's obviously really fun to see guys like Ozzy and Acuna doing what they're doing this season. Obviously, they're two dudes who, who we've been high on for a while. And, and just kind of listening to our prospect writers rave about what they're doing in the office is fun. Um, and I think the National League East is very interesting uh, just because of how competitive it's going to be down the wire. I mean, Philly's obviously in the lead right now. Their rebuild coming along a little quicker uh, than maybe people expected, similar to the Braves. The Nationals kind of scuffling, uh, giving both those teams a chance. It's, it's just a fun race, unlike the American League. The National League in pretty much every division is going to be fun. And the Braves, as I'm sure you guys have talked about throughout the season, are one of the most uh, exciting and, and just fun teams to watch. So. Um, I'm looking forward to watching them more. Uh, I'm shocked at how Ozzy Albies is hitting for, for power, and now we can kind of dive into that more uh, later in this podcast if you want to. But uh, hopefully he gets back healthy on the field. Um, and just watching this team kind of develop and compete at the same time is really fun. So uh, I'm sure Atlanta fans have all been enjoying it throughout the year, and I'm looking forward to uh, to doing that more throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun, I should say. I think we feel like we get lost in the weeds sometimes. I, I try to do a good job of talking about uh, how you know surprising and fun this team has been, um, and that's something that's I guess is a good reminder that you're here um, to talk about. Let's just talk about Ozzy now because he left the game on Friday with a uh, I guess what they did, what they described as hamstring tightness, and then didn't play on on Sunday. That was basically according to the plan, according to what Brian Sicker said. They were going to hold him out and be pretty cautious with Ozzy. Obviously, they want to be cautious. I don't think that's a, necessarily a long term thing, but hamstring, you know, soft tissue stuff is always uh, not fun, but. I mean, you mentioned the power. I, I think no, 
nobody nobody in their right mind would have said 20 home runs at the All-Star break for Ozzy Albies, even if you thought he had more power. And I, I will cough to the fact that I was worried about his power, and that's mm-hmm. I look silly about that. But even if you thought he had more power than I thought he's going to have, no one thought he was going to have 20 home runs. So, I mean, what do you think about him as a hitter overall? And I don't think anybody thinks he's going to be a 40 home run guy, but at the same time, yeah. like there's a lot more pop than we kind of ever talked about. I know when you and I used to talk about Ozzy, we never thought this kind of player was going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's un- unbelievable, honestly. I mean, if and it's not just you. It's not like you just missed it completely. Everyone thought that. I mean, if you read all the experts, all the all the scouts, you go back and look at the scouting reports that we have uh, at Baseball America, everyone was always concerned about his power. I think uh, the first three years he hit like one home run or something ridiculous like that. But it, it kind of just speaks to how difficult it is to project power in the big leagues uh, given the the environment. I mean, this is something that – teams have grappled with from a scouting perspective the past few years some teams are adjusting their power scale to kind of uh, allow them to be a little bit more bold when projecting for power other teams are kind of waiting to see if it'll uh, maybe settle back down this home run binge that we've been seeing so I mean it's a testament to him to succeed so quickly if you look at the Fangraphs leaderboards uh, he's 18th right now I think not accounting for today's games as we record on Sunday Um, but 18th in F4 uh, as a 20-year-old, I think he is now, is very impressive. I mean, his line is very similar to what Javi Baez is doing this year. I think there's some interesting comparisons you could maybe draw with them, um, just with how infrequently they walk, kind of power-speed combinations and defensive ability in the infield. Uh, it's been outstanding to uh, to see what he's done. Maybe he can hold off Juan Soto and get some uh, Rookie of the Year honors uh, if he continues to do this. Yeah, I mean, Ozzy's been fairly ridiculous. Um, hopefully, the <laughs> hopefully the hamstring injury is not uh, more serious than they, anybody thinks it is. I think you mentioned you know not really walking a lot. That's something that I want him to do more of. Mm-hmm. I think you have to trade off something if you're going to talk about the power that he has now. Maybe that's part of it, but I do think there's probably more walks and less power uh, in the future, ideally from Ozzy. But if he's sitting there, I mean, he, now he's sitting number number two in the lineup. I don't want to spend too much time in the lineup because we talk about that, I feel like, all the time. But because it yeah. feels like Ronald Acuna is now going to be the leadoff hitter for a while, uh, which I really appreciate. Which is awesome. Those two guys being at the top of the lineup, um, you know, Friday was kind of embarrassingly fun with those guys just running all over the place and producing mm-hmm. a run immediately in the top of the first inning. I'm not necessarily thinking that's <laughs> going to happen all the time, but uh, it is. It's not hard to get carried away when thinking about the pairing of uh, Acuna and Albies in the one and two spots for a long, long time. And that's the way the Hawks, that's the, way the Braves uh, treat their uh, number number one two spots. They they want speed there. I mean, that, I think that's pretty obvious with Brian Sticker. He wants speed there, and that's mm-hmm. how you end up with those two guys there. Even though you know, I guess we're talking about lineup construction. Freddie Freeman probably should be hitting second, but alas, uh, <laughs> you know, Acuna, Acuna yeah. and uh, Acuna and Albies is pretty uh, pretty good for me. I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah, I got to see a lot of the uh, the Braves lineup discussion on Friday. Unfortunately, I was watching a, a high school showcase game, so I couldn't actually watch the entire game. Uh, but it, it is interesting how kind of how much of a hot topic the lineup has been specifically. Um, I don't know that I'd be too concerned about it. I know, I guess I don't know. I actually might not know your opinions on, on the lineup right now. We can touch on that quickly if you want. But if you've talked about it too much, then we've done it a lot. I mean, you, you're uh, by the way, I th- and I think you're right. You're always been team. It doesn't matter that much, which I kind of. <laughs> agree with but at the same time um there are certain things that just make you really mad about it if that makes sense like they hit (laughs) it's only because it's only because i'm reading the shift recently and uh with russell carlton being a a psychologist and talking about kind of the uh the mental side of the game we can't really talk about that that probably is the only reason i'm I'm bringing it up i don't really care where people hit the lineup like i'm sure freddie loves hitting third we actually talked about this in the office like hitting third for freddie freeman is probably a, a badge of honor for him uh, and if he's happy to hit there, I don't think the uh, small benefits that you could potentially get over the course of a season maybe outweigh uh, his happiness of hitting third. Uh, it's fine. I mean, you've got three good hitters at the top of the order getting the most at-bats. I-, I would be fine with it in any order, really. Yeah, and that's the way you have to think about it. I mean, I- I've long said there are certain things that I would change, um, but at the same time, Freeman is not leaving the third spot as long as he lives, I don't think, at this point in time. Especially, I mean, it would take a serious managerial conversation, and that's something that Mm -hmm. Brian Sicker's not going to have for Freeman, which I've kind of given up about that. And given the fact (laughs) that um, Marquecas has been so good hitting cleanup this year, I think he should be hitting somewhere else, but I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of okay. I'm not talking about moving him. So it, yeah. it was basically uh, in the last couple of weeks, it's come down to Ender Enciarte hitting leadoff and how silly that was. And I mm-hmm. think I, I, I'd be very interested to know how that conversation went during the break between 
what I, what I would imagine happened between Alex Anthopoulos and Brian Snicker. That's basically <laughs> said, I, I don't know this to be true. This is not me reporting anything. I, I just think, you know, if you go all the way until the all-star break with Ender at the leadoff spot, I know he didn't hit, he didn't play in the final game before the break, but, um, and then you come out of the break with a different lineup construction and Ronald Acuna who hadn't, who had not hit, hit, hit leadoff all season long. I yeah. imagine a conversation took place at some point that just says, all right, it's time. It's time to go with somebody else. And uh, Acuna was that decision. So I'm good with that, yeah. honestly. But I'm, you know, longstanding, I'm kind of with you, which is kind of funny because I talk about it, I feel like, all the time. But <laughs> it's not that big of a deal except for when you have a really bad hitter hitting leadoff. And yeah. I shouldn't say really bad. I mean, he's not a really bad hitter. He's been a really bad hitter this year. I should, in 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 Ciarte, you know, last year he was a league average hitter who mm-hmm. probably looked better than that by the uh, by the old school metrics with the hit with two hundred hits and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. If he was doing what he did last year, he, no one would have said anything, frankly. Yeah, um, and I think part of it probably is because of the success he's had. And I think sometimes as fans, and I'm guilty of this too, we can we can tend to be a little reactionary when it's it's a very long season. And as a manager, you're kind of trying to. Uh, keep your guys' confidence up. If you shuffle the lineup a ton based on what the guy did last week or even over a month, it's still it's still a small sample in the big scheme of thing, things. So I can kind of see what Snickers going for, and he's obviously more of an old school guy, or at least has been. Um, so it makes some sense to me. Kind of give him that that period. The Braves are succeeding. Um, maybe you're, maybe you're giving up a few extra runs by not making the adjustment quicker, but uh, it's a tough game to play between being too reactionary um, and, and not reacting enough. So it's it's kind of interesting, but I wouldn't get too crazy about it. No, I mean, I, and I, I I will now vow as long as they don't um, switch back and have NCRT hitting leadoff against left-handed <laughs> pitching, I will leave us alone for a while now. I will say yeah. that. I'll make a pledge <laughs> on the podcast right now. We talked about it a ton about the last month or so. I'm gonna leave it alone unless something crazy happens. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I guess the the other big sort of lingering newsy story right now is the trade deadline, which is coming. Pretty quickly here. I mean, well, we went about a week and a half away, not even from the trade deadline, and the Braves have been pretty quiet to this point. It's one of those things where I think they're going to do something. Everyone thinks they're going to do something, but they were not one of the teams that's pulled off one of these moves already in advance. Mm-hmm. There was a there was a there was a Baltimore Orioles rumor that hit on Sunday, talking about um, Jonathan Scope and Dylan Bundy and Kevin Gosman. They've been linked to Zach Britton. They've been linked to a couple of different guys. Where are you at with this whole? you know, timeline thing more than anything. Like how, how urgent do you think the Braves should be looking for help right now? Because we kind of know they're like a fringe playoff team at the moment, but they're really mm-hmm. sort of arriving a year early. So where are you at just sort of philosophically with the, with what the Braves should be doing right now? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's pretty obvious that they're in the hunt. They, they've got a good chance to make the playoffs. Um, you got to do something when you're in the position. I think you need to take advantage of it. You never know when you're going to get back here or what's going to happen. I mean, the development of these guys could go really bad. Obviously, no one thinks that's going to happen. They're set up pretty well with the talent they have in the farm and what what guys have been doing this year. Um, I mean, but whenever you have a chance, I feel like you should strike. Uh, not to say that you need to blow the farm in some huge deal uh, to get two months of Manny Machado. Not that that deal was uh, maybe as big as some people might have expected, but I, I think you definitely need to make a move. There are still some relievers out on the market who are interesting. You mentioned Zach Britton. I think there's another guy in the Orioles and Michael Givens. Uh, who maybe is even more interesting with the year that he's having. Um, I definitely would expect them to do something with the bullpen. I know Mark Bowman and all the other people who cover the Braves regularly uh, say that's that's a, a need for the team, something they're looking to acquire. Uh, I definitely think uh, we should be seeing something. But pitching, I mean, pitching, I think, is, is what the Braves need to be looking for. Uh, I don't know if you make a big move at the trade deadline now. Um, but at the same time, I feel like the starting rotation – it's an area where you could improve going forward um, in the long term as well. So if this is a, a, the time that you think you need to maybe jettison some of these prospects and make a move that, that works for the now and for the long term, maybe that could make some sense just if the timing works for, for the Braves and whatever team they're looking to acquire some people. I know Chris Archer is a guy who Braves fans have seeming, seemingly been wanting to get for a number of years. Um if that's a pitcher you can you can acquire, maybe that makes some sense. But I do think that it would be um, a little short-sighted if you were to deal out a lot of these prospects who are developing well in the minors and uh, very close to making an impact on the major league team for a short-term rental uh, when you are kind of hitting this window a year earlier than you expected. I don't think you need to do anything that will uh, shorten your window in the future. Yeah, I think if they if, – and this is something I've been saying for a while, but I think if they're going to pay – a premium price for a pro- for a guy um, right now. Mm-hmm. It's gonna have to be somebody that's gonna be locked up long term. Like that's why yeah. Archer makes a ton of sense. That's why other guys who you know other guys that have team control 
make mm-hmm. sense. Um, still, it wouldn't surprise me if they don't come away with one, one of those guys. I'm okay with a rental if it's a low-cost rental, like yeah. Mike Moustakis or one of these bullpen guys where you're giving up may- maybe one of your top 30 prospects, maybe two, like not but, but not premium guys. That's fine. That's the yeah. kind of move that I'm, I'm okay with. But if you're, if you're spending the real capital right now, you need to get a guy who is locked up long-term. And I think all the reporting at this point kind of notes that. I mean, everybody that's mm-hmm. sort of a rental, it's like, all right, the price is going to be a little bit lower, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at the two big trades we've had so far, look at the return for Manny Machado, who's an infinitely better player than Brad Hand. Uh, but look at the return that Hand and uh, who was the other reliever, uh, Simber, that they got, that the Indians had to uh, to give to San Diego. And then you look at the return that the Orioles got for Manny Machado. It, it's very obvious that teams value um, control of players in two months of Machado, while he's obviously an awesome player and someone who could definitely uh, help them win a World Series. You only have two months of him. You don't really know what's going to happen. So maybe the Braves do go for Reynolds just because of that. They're not going to have to uh, surrender as many of these young prospects as, as they would want to, and they can still attack for now and kind of save some of these guys for the long term as well. It'll be interesting. It's, it's nice to finally talk about the trade deadline with the Braves uh, and them actually being buyers. I feel yeah. like since we started this podcast, we're, we've always talked about uh, which players the Braves could trade away to get the most value. So it's it's kind of different to uh, think about Atlanta as being a, one of the teams who's who's trying to acquire some talent. Yeah, it's very, very different this time around. I mean, if they if they did any <laughs> sort of selling move, people would lose their minds, and, and rightly so. Um, For real, I can't, I can't even remember the last time uh, that me or you or even I thought seriously about the Braves being a buyer at the deadline while oh, covering it's been, this. I mean, it's been, it's several been years. a long time. Yeah, I mean, so. definitely, definitely pre-podcast. There's no question about that. <laughs> and this is episode 122, so that tells you how long that's been. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely new ground, and I think, I mean, they're going to do something. I'm pretty confident that at some point between now and the deadline, which is, again, you know, a week and a half, not even away, they're going to make a move, but it mm-hmm. might be to add a depth bullpen guy or it might be to bolster the bench. Like it might not be this impact move. People were keep, you know, people keep, people keep asking. It's been a popular topic the last couple of days, like what a realistic package looks like for a guy like Chris Archer that you mentioned mm-hmm. before. Like I think, you know, a good friend of the program, Scott Coleman was talking about, um, you know, realistic Archer, Archer packages. And, you know, most Braves fans recoil when they see the sight of how many yeah. prospects have to go out to make that kind of deal work. And, I'm kind of with that in some ways, but at the same time, you have to know that if you get a guy like Archer, who I know isn't this like, you know, he's not an absolute ace pitcher, but a guy who's locked up through 2021 at a very, you know, very reasonable cost, that's going to cost you three or four guys that you are going to have some pain trading. That's just kind of the way this thing works. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're talking about a guy like Archer who's still young, has that control. You said it, he's maybe not a lock for an ace, but definitely has the potential and maybe the peripherals going forward, especially if you're going from the AL East to the NL East, which is by all measures a, an inferior offensive environment for, for Archer to pitch in. Uh, you would think maybe he could make that next step and get the ERA more in line with what his FIP has been the past few years. But no, it'd be interesting. Um, the Braves don't have an ace right now unless you think Mike fulton has is one, which uh, I got into some Twitter heat. Oh, let's for, talk about uh, that now. Let's for, do it. For questioning that. <laughs> let's do that right yeah, now. There was, Go ahead. Yeah, we can jump into it. For the backstory, for those who missed it, I think MLB Stat of the Day um, tweeted something out. Max Scherzer versus Mike Fultonevich, uh, just with the caption, two NL aces are set to square off. Uh, and this is something me and you have talked about previously, just uh, how frequently people use the term aces and how often people incorrectly use that term. And I just quote tweeted it and said we continue to throw around the word ace too frequently. Uh, and a lot of Braves fans, I don't think we're too happy with me. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, so, here's the thing. Okay, let's let's establish so the, the meaning. Is, first. is Mike Fultonevich an ace? After we talk about the the definition of the word, yeah. Let's let's just to talk about like what does ace mean? Because I think it always was funny when you talk about Julio Tehran as mm-hmm. like he was the number one pitcher for the Braves for a while, and mm-hmm. at no point was he an ace. Um, yes, <laughs> which you, you can be the best pitcher on a team and not be an ace is kind of what the thing is here. Like how many exactly. how many guys in the league are aces in your opinion? Which is a good place to start. Like are there ten? Are there twenty? Like how many? Just take a, like a, a sort of a round guess is what an ace means because I think there's going to be the, the, I guess breaking news is that there's less than there are there are less aces than there are teams. If that makes sense. Okay, yeah, that definitely makes sense. I'm going to do some sorting on on fan graphs and, and just like go through some names to see. But I would guess that there's maybe ten. Um, I, don't, I the, think that might be a, a safe answer, but but do you think it'd be more or less than that? I mean, it might, if it's more than that, it's 
not much more. I would say that's less mm-hmm. than 15. I mean, I don't have it. I, I don't have a set number either, but I just think that's where you get into trouble is that people hear the word ace and they think, mm-hmm. you know, they have a broader definition. It's probably, I, yeah. I, there's no way, I mean, I guess if you looked at just, just this season, Fulton A, which would be one of the best 10 or 12 pitchers in the league just by this, this season's numbers. All right. But I don't think anybody thinks well, that, that's a, actually, that that's actually what he is. If that makes sense. Like no one's thinking I've, that. I've got a little experiment for you. So yeah. I've uh, filtered the top pitchers, uh, the top starting pitchers from 2016 to 2018. So that includes this season. Uh, and I'm just going to go down the list for, from the war leaderboard. So this is Fangraphs War, which is fit based. Um, stop me when you would not consider one of these players an ace. Okay, we'll just we'll just do it this way. Chris Sale. Max Scherzer, Corey Kluber, Justin Verlander, Clayton Kershaw, Jacob DeGrom, Aaron Nola. Ooh. Uh, I see think Aaron Nola might be an ace, but I'm not sure if that makes okay. sense. Maybe. All right, we'll keep going. Steven Strasburg. He's an ace. James Paxton. Uh, I think he is now, but I'm not 100% sure. Like, I think he okay. probably is that now. Like, he just, I just yeah. have to, We haven't seen it for quite as long with him. Trevor Bauer. No. no. Carlos Carrasco. No. Zach Granke. Uh, depends uh, on which version. but Luis Severino. Yes. John Gray. Absolutely not. Okay, so we did 14 names. I think you had three or four that you said no or maybe not. And I think the only locks for you, you got to basically Ooh, Nola, like, who you questioned, yeah, and then Strasburg, who definitely. So there was seven guys. Unless you include Paxton now, then no, you have I, I think that's a good. Like, I mean, I'm sure there's more guys that we have. There's not yeah. great seasons that are down there further, but like, mm-hmm. I think it's probably a good working thing to say that there's probably like eight, and then every, and, and, at any given season there might be another four or five that just flash to that level. Yeah, that see, that's sense. the thing. What I think with Fultonevich is like he is having a fantastic season, and and not calling him saying he's not an ace. I don't think needs to be as big of a disservice to Fultonevich as maybe people think it is. He's having an ace. Uh, he's you, having an ace uh, first half of a season. Is what that is. Yeah, if you keep doing this for two three years, of course I'm gonna I'm gonna say if you have a two point six six ERA for the next three years, yeah, I'll I'll grant you that. But uh, it's just this is kind of the first flash that we've seen from him, kind of putting this up consistently. It's fantastic to see, but. Uh, I would love to know if you guys think Fultonevich is an ace. I'm like I've never even thought of him as an ace before, even with his season. Uh, this is kind of just going down a little rabbit hole for me. But, anyways, Mike Fultonevich is not an ace. I'm sorry, Blaze fans. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he is either. Uh, I do yeah. think that there is a like non-zero chance that he becomes one. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like if, if if this is if this is real, then sure. I just don't. I think he's overachieved versus his baseline this season, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. again, it's not, it's not a shot at him. I, I think he moving would forward. Tell you that you're right, Brad. I mean, how many guys? How many guys in the league? I don't know, man. It's just such a tough thing to talk about because I think it's entirely possible that this is the best first half of his career. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's very possible. Like, what, what, what's his ERA at this moment? I don't even have it in front of me. 2.66. Yeah, I mean, and, and it was like, it was below that, like, two weeks ago. It was like 2.2. Also, 2. you know what's interesting? You, every single one of the pitchers that we mentioned as locks to be aces, none of them have a, a walk per nine that's even close to what Fulty has. Well, that's the thing. You can't, it's like Newcomb. Like, it's, Newcomb's even more extreme, but... It's yeah. really, really hard to be an ace if you're walking three plus guys per nine innings. Exactly. None of these is. guys, with the exception of Bauer, has a walk rate above three per yeah, nine. Yeah, and it, I mean, you have to be so good at everything else mm-hmm. for that ever to work. And you can be a good pitcher. I mean, we've seen Mike Fultonavich be a very good pitcher. I mean, mm-hmm. my my threshold of like terror is four per nine, which is where Newcomb always has lived. <laughs> um, yeah, and five per nine is like untenable. You, you can be a pretty good pitcher. If I told four. you that no one on the front page of the leaderboard since 2016 has a walk rate of four for nine. Yeah, I mean, better, you, you can be worse. a pretty good pitcher at four, but you can't. <laughs> there's there's a there's a pretty defined ceiling there, which is always yeah. been my problem with Dukem. Like I know he has all the talent in the world, but you gotta just not walk guys like that. So, yep. yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you actually that Fulty's not an ace. I do think a year from now there is a world in which we think he is one. Like if he's just this yeah. guy, if he posts a two five ERA for a full season, 
maybe there was a this discussion. This is his career high walk rate too, which is amazing. I he's mean, the striker rate's gone up as well. As I say, he's striking out a lot of guys, and he's been he's been yeah. pretty lucky. I mean, I'm not not insanely like I don't think this is like some mm-hmm. some sort of super fluke, but he's been fortunate to have a 2.6 ERA. Like it's, I think his baseline's probably in the low threes. Which, by the way, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. That's a very mm-hmm. good pitcher. Like very, very and good. By the way, Brad, it's really fun to be back on the podcast and disagree with you about everything. It makes me feel smart. This is what we do, you and I. We, <laughs> think, we think about the game very, very similarly. Um, but anyway, it's just yeah. I think you're right. And uh, apologies to everyone who yelled at Carlos on Twitter because I, I'm y'all sure, are wrong. It's fine. It's yeah, okay. it's not as crazy as <laughs> I mean. We're, I think we're trying to be at least. Um, down the middle I just saying, wanted to come back on and put some more cynicism uh, <laughs> onto the podcast. You don't need any more of that. Between uh, between me and Eric <laughs> and Scott, I think we pretty much cover that. Um, okay, gotcha. But Glad this, to know that I've the been really trying to go out of my fun. way to be more positive this year because the team's good. So it's like... Well, uh, funny how that works, huh? My Twitter persona is always going to be negative. That's just the way that I think about <laughs> sports and life. Yeah. But uh, it's been a fun season, so I don't, I've, I've been trying to at least every once in a while keep it light when I'm not mm-hmm. ranting about Ender hitting leadoff. Um Everything's fine. Uh, okay, I wanted to ask you briefly about Dansby before we get into some 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 prospecty Ooh. stuff um, because we talked about Dansby off and on on the pod, and yeah. but I haven't talked to you about Dansby, so yeah, it's a hot topic. It. He's not hit the ball well this year. I mean, we're looking looking at his numbers. He had he had a very very nice start to the season. He's cooled off since then. The defense has been really really good this year, mm-hmm. which is encouraging and allows him to not be a guy who's killing you, even though he's not been a good, a good hitter this year. But people are starting to worry louder and louder now about his bat. So what do you think Dansby is as a hitter? It's a, it's a really impossible question because we have so much data right now that says he's not very good, but the yeah. talent is so good that it's also too early to give up on him. So I don't know. It's tough. Yeah, I think it's it might be too early to give up on him. It's definitely – I mean, we're at the point now where we're – his uh, brief debut in 2016 is really his only extended stretch of hitting, which was 38 games. I don't even know if it's uh, fair to say that's an extended period of hitting, but that's the only time where he's had an above average, uh, above league average offensive um, value, offensive ability. Uh, then you have 2017 where he played 144 games and was well below league average. He had 232, 312, 324. Uh, those are not good numbers, uh, and he was not a, as good a defender by at least the metrics that year. This year it's nice to see that the defense is better. He's looking better at the position, again, by the numbers, which you don't have to agree with those if you don't want. But still, uh, I mean, 15% worse than league average according to WRC+, Plus, which is kind of my go-to um one one shot stat to kind of tell you what what you are as a player it's not great um it's nice to see the power up a little bit more um but his average is still pretty low for a 320 babip um the strikeout and walk rates they're not great 24% strikeout rate 7% walk rate um i mean it's possible that he's just never going to be a league average hitter i mean that's what the numbers would suggest at this point i don't know how long uh you continue to wait and kind of see if he can make the adjustment he's still fairly young 24 years old we're getting to the point where you kind of have to either do something or uh i mean i i don't know i don't want to be too critical uh because you look at andrews and simmons and obviously they're very different players but simmons struggled with the bat for a long time uh, then after going to los angeles seemed to make an adjustment and has become a quite capable hitter so we you definitely can't give up on him but it's very concerning yeah i mean that's Kind of where I am as well. Like I think I saw. I think it was. I can't remember who it was. I think it was maybe. I'm, I'm forgetting. So my apologies to whoever said mm-hmm. this, but someone was talking about this on Twitter this week about how Dansby. One of the encouraging things about Dansby is that he can still hit fastballs very well. Like mm-hmm. he's not a guy who you worry about against fastballs. It's yeah. really just like pitch selection, and yeah. like he doesn't have this great power, but you see it when it when it happens. Like there there is some power in there. So. I'm kind of with you. I think that, you know, expectation-wise now, you have to temper it. It's just like we've seen so much data now that you can't assume he's going to be a good hitter at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's still a possible outcome. But and he, for me, he doesn't have to be one. Because of his glove at a premium spot like that, if he's just a 90 WRC-plus guy, that's a guy you're okay with. Um, which he has not been. Which he hasn't been. That's years, the thing. Brad. Like I think it's, what was he, 78 or 80, somewhere in there for yeah, two right. plus this years? Yeah, right. This year he's... Uh, 85 and then 2017 he was like in the 60s yeah and i mean because of his glove especially this year if this year's glove is real Mm -hmm. he could be like a two and a half win player with this bat and that's still a useful guy but at the same time 
you're in a spot where he has to be your worst hitter, probably. If this is if this mm-hmm. is a situation where you want to be a title contender and Dansby is just this guy, he needs to be your worst hitter, which he currently is not because they have Ender mm-hmm. as well. I think you're in a tough spot if you want to be a World Series contender with a lineup that has both this current version of Dansby Swanson and this current version of Ender Enciarte. Mm-hmm. I think both guys are a little bit better than this. Um I mean, we saw Ender be basically a league average guy for two years before this. I think he's probably closer to that than the guy who he's been this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan's be the same thing, but it's just tough. Like, again, there's there's a way to talk about it. I mean, I, and I think I'm still higher on Dan'sby than a lot of people because of the glove at shortstop and his and his legs and like he adds value on the base pass. Like, there's stuff that you can mm-hmm. like about Dan'sby Swanson, but at the end of the day, he needs to be better here than this. It's kind of it's tough to sell. Yeah. What's also concerning is if you pull up the StatCast numbers and if you believe in expected weighted on base average, which I don't know if you talk about this a lot, but uh, I'm, I'm, I've bought into it a little bit. Um, they, even the expected, it's not like he's gotten unlucky or anything. If you look at his expected numbers for the StatCast, um, they expect him to have a 287 WOBA right now in 2018, which is not ideal. <laughs> so uh, kind of looking into those numbers, it's it's not encouraging as well. Average exit VLO around 88. I mean, he's... He's not going to be an elite hitter. No, that's, uh, that's kind of out the window at this point, I think. there was Yeah, there was more hope of that uh, kind of when he was closer to being the number one pick in the draft, kind of coming up. Like, oh, he's got this excellent uh, barrel control with a chance for some pop. I mean, he used to be compared to Alex Bregman, uh, and the difference in those two players right now is is pretty fast. Um, yeah, but that's, we'll see. by the way, that's what we thought he was going to be. But I, I think there's, as always, there's this gap between, like, he's a bust quote unquote. And like mm-hmm. that's that, when that's you're number one, it's so much, it's so much harder for you too. Cause when you're the number it one is. pick that people, <clears throat> so. it's, it's tough to do that because like, I mean, it's just sort of a sliding scale. Like because mm-hmm. he's been the number, because he was, he's the number one overall pick. I think at this point it will be a stunner to everyone. If he quote lives up to that, mm-hmm. just because I think if people, people assume when you're, when you're the number one pick that you're going to be this plus hitter, and I'm not sure that's what's going to happen. But even then, yeah. like, I don't think Dansby was a traditional number one pick either. Like, he wasn't ever. I don't think he ever had the offensive upside that people will associate with a number one pick. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would have to go back and look and see to have more of a feel. Well, for I, it just think, I just think, I in general, like, if you asked a casual fan what the number one pick looks like, yeah. I don't think anybody even thought he was going to be that. I think the the optimistic side for Dansby was like a Jeter like hitter. Mm-hmm. Like a prime Jeter, like which is an awesome player, obviously a superstar player, but yeah, that's not a guy. I mean, I guess maybe Jeter had like one season where he was like a legitimate, like super duper offensive star. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. the rest of the time he was he was a high average guy with like r- pretty solid power. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people thought Dansby was going to be a three hundred hitter with like ten to fifteen home runs, and that's yeah. a really good player, but that's not like a 40 homer slugger shortstop. Like he was never going to be Carlos Correa. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. It's, it's really tough. The number one pick, I wish he was the number four pick in the draft. It'd be so <laughs> yeah, much easier to be, talk about him. Honestly. It would be a, a lot more. It'd be interesting to see kind of how the narrative around Swanson developed. If he was not the number one pick and kind of how, uh, he's going to be affected by that just because he is. So. I think, I actually think he's weirdly, I mean, so. he's weirdly gotten at least a little bit of a pass this year mm-hmm. because of Ender. I think if Ender had been better, people would latch on to Dansby as like the bad hitter in the lineup. And I think also because of Acuna and, Al- and Albies. Well, that helps too. Yeah, I mean, it, it helps that they're there. winning. Like if this, if they were struggling and Dansby was doing this and Ender wasn't so bad, it would be really easy to latch on there. And I think people have noticed yeah. about how, how good his defense has been. I, mm-hmm. I, I think a shortstop is like the one position where even a casual fan understands that defense matters so much. Yep. Like, because you think about guys who, I mean, everybody always loved, everybody always loved Andrelton, and like he couldn't exactly. hit in the Braves lineup. So people just realize <laughs> that shortstop defense matters. They'll mm-hmm. ignore outfield defense or ignore, but shortstop, it's like the one spot where even a casual fan's like, cool defense. I'm signing yep. up. Which is fair. Yeah, good points. So, I mean, hopefully that holds over. Hopefully, you know, I think, I still think I see more from his bat, but I think league average would be a huge win. Yeah, I've I've gotten increasingly like I I don't think I'm much of a believer anymore. Sorry, it's probably because I haven't seen him as much. No, uh, I, I think that's reasonable. I, I mean, look, we we've on, got what a thousand plus plate appearances of this. Like, there's mm-hmm. reason to believe he's just going to be this hitter, and that's a uh, you know again he he can be a major league starter for a long time at shortstop as long as he plays defense like this with this bat. 
but it's yep. not going to be this inspiring piece either. So for sure. All right, let's move on to some some young guys. I guess Dansby's pretty young too, but um, some young guys. Before <laughs> Twenty-four. We, before I let you get out of here, um, our our TC guys came up came out with, with our top thirty list. I know you uh, were talking about this offline. I think uh, Baseball America came out with their top ten list midseason as well. Mm-hmm. Do you have any hot prospect takes? Um, non draft. We'll save draft for the end because that, that's your expertise. I'm not yeah. at, at this point in time. But any guys who were not in the 2018 draft class that you uh, want to fire some takes on? Because I know our son, our mutual son Tuki, has uh, been fantastic this year. Yeah, I'm glad he brought Tuki up. That's the guy I was going to bring up. I mean, I feel like we, me and you, have, and a lot of Braves fans. I mean, he's he's always been an exciting player, so it's not like we're the only guys who are talking about him but we've specifically pointed him out as kind of our favorite guy in the system um and he's had such a long road what it feels like i mean he's been on the radar for uh, several years now which in prospect time gets a little wonky uh talking about guys kind of being on the radar for a while but it's so nice to see him taking the steps forward to kind of hone in that command uh and continue to to have you believe that he can be a starter with this kind of stuff so this season is just fantastic uh, i love how aggressive the talking chop guys were with ranking him um what where did they actually end up putting him top five i believe i think he's number oh, yeah. two yeah he's uh, yeah he's so up there. No, we don't have him quite as high we have him at number 10 jj cooper is in charge of the uh mid-season update for the braves uh for baseball america if you guys haven't seen that Definitely check it out. I think there's a, a bundled discount you can get for a subscription. Um, so a lot of good information there. We got some rising and falling guys as well. Um, this system, it's interesting because when I looked at the midseason update, kind of to go away from Tukey specifically, um, when I looked at, at the the system, I was like, wow, the Braves the Braves system is a little bit thinner than I thought. Uh, and, and I don't think that should be a negative. It's just because Ozzy and Acuna and Swanson and – Fulty and all these guys have kind of graduated uh, and are making an impact on the big league level. And I think that's it's kind of exciting because, I mean, we've talked about this basically since the podcast has been started, uh, the strength of this farm system. And, and now to kind of see that translating uh, to the big league team is fun. But there's still a lot of really, really talented players in the system. Um, but, yeah, the guy who I'm most excited for is definitely Tukey. I think William Contreras is really exciting. Uh, down the line, a little bit lower in the farm, um, just because catcher is such a tough position. If he's able to kind of fill that spot in the future, uh, that would be big time as well. But who are the guys for you? I mean, yeah, it's it's similar to what you're saying. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I talk about this all the time, so it's like it's tough to pinpoint guys. I mean, I, I'm just I've always loved Tukey. I think Bryce Wilson's like skyrocketed in everyone's mm-hmm. mind. Which I, I can see why. I mean, I, I will always say I don't watch nearly enough of these guys to talk about it with like expert level mm-hmm. the way that Eric and those guys do. But uh, I mean, he's been a guy I've been like pleasantly surprised with. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of people like ready to move on from Ian Anderson, which is kind of funny. Like he's been yeah, like, that was he's been he's been like, he's like, like the, the favorite. Uh, he's been the favorite trade piece. I think him and Colby Allard are like <laughs> the guys that everybody wants to trade now, which is kind of funny. Yeah, it's interesting. We have him number three, so no, I like uh, him. I still like him. I, 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 I'm just kind of mm-hmm. funny, like to see the way yeah. people have like put him in one category and Bryce Wilson in the other. And that, if you told me that a year <laughs> ago, I would have just been stunned. I think we're at a point now where, with especially with the TC guys, cover these cover all these players so extensively that prospect fatigue sets in even before you like see these guys getting on like top 100 or national lists. Like if you're a, a team who's been focusing on this one guy uh for like the last three years uh and he's been solid but he hasn't maybe made that huge jump that a guy like wilson has it's i think it's easy to kind of fall off the bandwagon a little bit for some of these other guys and go towards the hype which is fine i mean that's it's only human nature i'd imagine but um uh it's it's i think it's probably good to keep in context the the number of guys that are, are still doing really well that have maybe been around a little bit longer yeah, so I mean, it's just tough to like sort of gauge. I think there's a lot of depth still. It's just not, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you kind of have that natural attrition with you know, as many as many as, as many elite guys as have left the system. According to you mm-hmm. know, they're not, I guess not, not system, but have left the prospect ranks. Yeah, it's kind of just natural. They don't really have that uber elite batting prospect in the minors anymore. Mm-hmm. I guess depending, depending on what you think about Austin Riley, people love Austin Riley all of a sudden. Um, I think he's a very yeah, we are very high on him. Everybody is. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think I was wrong, I think, to at least a certain point about Austin Riley. I think I was a little bit more skeptical. I've come around mm-hmm. a little bit on him, to be sure. But he is, you know, I guess it's him and Pache are like the, are, are the I guess, consensus. I guess, and maybe Drew Waters are like the top. 
um, are the top guys in, in terms of position players, and that just doesn't have the same sort of. It's not as sexy as Albies and Acuna. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like even I mean, I, again, I guess I, we're probably guilty a little bit of uh, of Ozzy being uh, even better than I thought. But yeah, mm-hmm. even as a prospect, he was seen as a top what twenty guy in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I, I'm, not, I'm not sure Austin Riley's ever going to get there, and Pache maybe. And he's all that stuff, he's but. pushing closer. I will tell you that. Check out the top 100 list. Our Ooh. our midseason update. Continue to plug that. He he's please he's plug anything high. you like. You're a professional <laughs> at this point. I'm just a, a lowly amateur podcast host. Um, oh please. No, I. But yeah, it's it's interesting to see that, and you know the pitching depth is still kind of silly. There's just so mm-hmm. many guys. I mean, if you if you can seriously put out a a prospect list as you guys have done with Tuki at 10 in a system it's like pretty outrageous his stuff is so silly yes for sure the Marlins would take that in a heartbeat oh yeah I mean they would love to have (laughs) two of these guys would be great um no it's 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 just fun I mean I want to talk too much about it but oh I I do want to ask you about the rookies though like the uh, the immediately drafted guys I should say because that is that is your uh that's your baby these days is the uh is the MLB draft so uh, before we get to the actual guys who have done so far, what did you think of the draft um, from mm-hmm. a race perspective? Because you and I talked about this offline, but I never talked about this on the podcast. Of course, you know Carter Stewart is the biggest weirdness there with the yeah. not signing him. But what, what was your overall takeaway from the class itself? Uh, I mean, for the Braves specifically, I thought before the signing deadline, I thought they hit it out of the park. I mean, if you look at where we have basically all their top 10 round guys and even uh, several guys further down in the draft, like CJ Alexander, uh, basically all those guys we had ranked higher than the the pick where the Braves selected them. Um, I mean, obviously that doesn't mean all these are going to be wins. Uh, it's 500 players we were ranking, so things can get a little wonky. But at least from how we stacked up the players before the draft, um, the Braves did very well to get a guy like Tristan Beck. Uh, where they did in the draft to get a guy like Trey Riley later on um, is very impressive. Their class, uh, I like most of these guys. Grayson Janista, he's interesting. Um, yeah, I like the class as a whole. I think uh, it's. I like the strategy there. Uh, I mean, going for a high school guy with the first pick and then kind of stacking with college guys, especially considering the farm the Braves already have. Uh, I kind of liked that mentality. Obviously, Carter Stewart not signing throws a wrinkle into things. Uh, I'm curious as to what you thought, because I actually haven't uh, talked with you much about um, Carter Stewart not signing in the aftermath. I don't, I don't know where you stand on this, but I'm curious. To, yeah, I mean, it's it's a are. weird it's a weird spot. I mean, I will always say I don't know much about it. I wasn't following it mm-hmm. as closely as uh, Eric and Matt were. Um, talked, mm-hmm. I guess, I asked Eric about it a little bit. I mean. It's a situation where if the injury was worse than they thought, I, I get it. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. all I wish Carter Stewart the best. Like, I hope he succeeds and makes the right decision by turning down the, whatever the Braves offered him. I guess it was like $2 million or something like that, um, mm-hmm. a lot less, which I understand the gamble that he's making there. You know, that's life-changing money. But at the same time, if he feels like he's going to be the same guy he was, that's not enough money. So I get yep. it. Um, it. It hurts the Braves short term, but they get another pick. It's not like this thing goes away. If this was a yep. different, I mean, as someone who covers basketball exclusively a lot and football a lot, if that was if something like that happened in, in basketball where you just like lost a top 10 pick, it'd be like the end of the world. Um, mm-hmm. But if you get, I mean, basically you get it back and you assume that you're going to get a similar talent maybe next year, uh, it's fine. I mean, it's for the race perspective, I, I totally get it. From his perspective, I totally get it. So mm-hmm. I don't really have a hot take on it other than it's unfortunate to be sure because I, I, was, I was pretty excited about him and what, everything I'd heard from you and Eric and everybody else was pretty positive. But if there's something there that people that they didn't know, know about ahead of time, I totally get it. And by the way, can we just get these guys medicals before the draft? Like, can we just have that happen? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is... Me. This is the issue. I mean, that's my basketballness guys. coming through. Like, I, I was like, wait, they don't have these me- these guys' medicals before the draft. That's insane. Why? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the a lot of teams will not even take a guy if they don't have the MRI. I mean, the top pitchers have the uh, the option to get that. Of course, MRI. That, why would why would it? Why but would you don't they? Have to, so yeah, why, uh, from I'm a team not, perspective. Yeah, my thing is like, I, it just seems insane to me, and, and I get baseball is different because you're dealing with high school guys and JUCO guys, and all this stuff. Whereas basketball, like you, you can have you can have a combine with a hundred guys at it mm-hmm. and basically cover everybody. In baseball, that's obviously not possible. So mm-hmm. I totally get that aspect, but man, it seems insane that you would draft someone in the top ten without knowing what their medicals are. Exactly. So yeah, it's a bummer. Definitely, things change from uh, what the Braves are expecting and what the the risk situation actually seemed to be. And I think. 
from a team perspective, um, uh, it's easy to kind of bang on the team if they don't sign the guy. But if you look at some of the players in the past, especially pitchers who teams have passed up with uh, physical questions or issues, um, it's a pretty good look for the teams. I mean, Brady Aiken is the big, biggest example. I mean, the Astros got a lot of flack for not signing Aiken when they drafted him several years ago. But, I mean, if you're doing that move in hindsight, every team would have done exactly what the Astros did. Um, so the Braves obviously knew what they were doing. Hopefully, Carter Stewart is able to get healthy and kind of continue to be the pitcher who I saw throughout the summer and the spring. He's an awesome kid with a lot of talent, obviously. Uh, and his his curveball is more fun to watch than Tukey's, which is high praise from me. So hopefully Ooh. things go well for him. Um, but no, a couple other guys I want to touch on real quick and yeah. then uh, we can get out of here. I want to take all your time, but, um, CJ Alexander, I brought up briefly. He's off to an insane start for 20th round guy. He's hitting yeah. like close to 400, yeah. 391, 468, 565 with three doubles and five triples in 24 games. That's uh, which insane. We might, have to, we might have to reevaluate this run grade for CJ because, uh, I did not think he was a great runner. He still might not be a great runner. They could be fluky triples. I don't know specifically, but uh, that's very impressive. Uh, he's a guy that that we've liked for a long time at Baseball America. Will Bryant actually did a, uh, a summer league list last year around this time, and Alexander was number two on the South Florida Collegiate League list. So big props to Will for, for kind of figuring out CJ a long time before many other people did. He's very fun. Uh, Brooks Wilson, Logan Gilbert's teammate with Stetson has pitched well to start 12 innings in rookie ball, I believe with 13 strikeouts uh, and a 1.42 ERA. So that's fun. And then another good one, uh, interesting top 10 round pick for the Braves is AJ Graffinino. Uh, he's a defensive-oriented shortstop, but he's hitting really well to start in rookie and A-ball. He got promoted pretty quickly. Uh, so if he's hitting as well, I know it's all these guys, it's it's a very, very, very small sample. Uh, but it's kind of fun to look at some of these guys who are starting off strong. But if Graffinino is hitting, he's a very interesting shortstop prospect because he has all the tools defensively. Uh, but just wanted to mention those guys starting off pretty strong from the 2018 draft class. For sure, and I will always say I don't know anything about these guys yet, so <laughs> I'm uh, I'm just learning along. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, Alexander keeps getting tweeted about by all guys that I follow, and it's like, man, mm-hmm. it felt like every night he has three hits, and it's like, oh, cool, three more hits. <laughs> yeah, that's twentieth round guys, very impressive. <laughs> yeah, it's his funny name I did not know until like it's already getting. Yeah, yeah, his name I didn't know at all until like two weeks ago. I was like, oh, this guy's apparently out of his mind right now. So yeah. his brother Blaze is also doing well. So what a name! Shout out to the Alexander brothers. What a name, Blaze! <laughs> Love that. Uh, I knew a Blaze actually as a kid who was a baseball player, and he's not. Yeah, a, I feel like it's getting pretty popular, especially yeah, in baseball. I, There's a, Blaze Jordan who's like a 2021 or something who's apparently a stud. So we'll see. That's only for baseball players, though. If your name is Blaze, you will play baseball, and that's you have that's to the end of exactly. The world. On that. Um, all right, we've probably done enough uh, for now. I, I think you already plugged Baseball America a little bit, but please plug your stuff, man. I always appreciate appreciate when you come talk about the Braves, but you're, uh, as I mentioned before, you're a big national guy now, so please sell yourself <laughs> to the people. Yeah, right now we're doing uh, just summer showcase stuff for the 2019 class. So if you want to get a head start, if you're a, a prospect head, and if you listen to this pro- podcast, you probably are, uh, you can get a head start on the 2019 class uh, by following me on Twitter. Um, at Carlos A. Colazzo. You can also sub to BA. Just go to our website, baseballamerica.com. That'll be a big join now button. Uh, and I think you can save something like 60 bucks a year if you bundle, which is get basically print, digital, and our e-edition. That's a pretty good value. Um, we, we're rolling out a lot of stuff, mid-season top 10 updates, top 100 updates, which have been more frequent this year with uh, more updated information kind of as we get it more frequently. So if, if that's something you're into, definitely check out the work that uh, all my colleagues there are doing as well. Yep. Well, that's um, me. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, that's it. I'm good. Subscribe to everything that <laughs> Carlos does. Follow the man on Twitter. Do all that fun stuff. Uh, I miss him regularly on the Braves beat, so to speak. But uh, I will. Uh, I'll echo that, Brad. I'll beg Carlos to come on whenever I, whenever uh, he's able to do so, and I will try to not. I try to leave him alone during draft season because <laughs> good luck trying to get an hour out of Carlos in draft season, but. Uh, yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk more. I mean, if if the Braves somehow make the playoffs, we'll have to talk about it because it'll be like a landmark occasion when you and I are talking yes. about a playoff baseball team. Please, please have me on there. That'd be awesome. Maybe uh, we can get an infield fly situation again. That'd be oh, great. Yeah, let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> hopefully, there is. Okay, I guess prediction time before I let you get out of here. Do they make the playoffs? Right. Or no? Yeah, I think so. I'm gonna say wild card. 
I love that. Uh, I think that I think I'm actually kind of with you. Who wins the division then, Philly? Uh, I think I'm going to go Washington. Ooh, from the depths, from the depths of yeah, despair. Yeah, I think they're going to come Nats. back. I mean, it's Bryce Harper's last year. They have. I think I still think they're the best team, like the most talented team this year. Like I, I'm going to give them the edge. I'll yeah, stick the with Nats Washington. Are and it's also best. just because I predicted I predicted Washington. And uh, someone asked me recently, and I said Washington, so I'm going to stick with that. Just be stubborn. I think they're still the best team, too. Uh, they do have to make up the ground, and as a result of that, the systems are finally not making them the favorite to win the NL East for the first time, mm-hmm. like all season long. They were still the favorite all the way, and now they're kind of not. But at the same <laughs> time, no, no one will be surprised if they suddenly win like 12 out of 13 and yeah. close the gap and decide they want to um, you know, lead lead the National League East. So. Yeah, the thing is the Braves or Phillies haven't really been kind of taking advantage of them slipping up, so still within within distance for the Nationals, I think. For sure. And a long ways to go. So. Yep. Um, well, thank you, man, for joining me as always. Carlos, uh, again, please follow that man everywhere, Twitter, Baseball America, all that fun stuff. Uh, thanks again, man. We'll talk, we'll, talk, we'll talk very, very soon. Awesome. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate it. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. I'll be uh, back home by the time we do this podcast next week, so hopefully it will sound a little bit better. And until then, subscribe to that fun stuff. We'll see you guys in about a week. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.